This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the president and co-founder of the Reformed African American Network, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, what's going on? It's always a good day when we're recording PTM, man. You know what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, man. You've you been good. This 2017 treating you right? It's, it's better than 2016 so far. I'll, tell, yeah, I'll say I'm that. I'm not mad at it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm not mad at 2017. Do your thing. Do your thing. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, this, yeah, could yeah. Be, this could be a decent year. I mean, every year is great. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't it, it feels like a new start. And so we don't know where it's going to go, obviously. But yep. um, it, it's a nice transition from, you know, especially the last half of, of 2016, but really the whole year. So we we already talked about that on a previous episode. But uh, but yeah. And, you know, you kind of have to. You kind of have to compartmentalize is what I'm learning, right? Of course. <laughs> like, of course. There are certain areas uh, uh, in 2017 that are that are going really well. I mean, maybe maybe some folks are, are doing really well in their New Year's resolutions. They're, they're losing weight or they're reading the Bible daily or whatever it might be. Uh, but then maybe some people look at the government and they're like, well, I don't know about 2017. Right. <laughs> right. It's kind of, of questionable so far. Yeah, it's a mix, man. It's always a mix. But uh one thing that has stayed consistent is we have some phenomenal listeners, man. I thought we should read some reviews today. What you think? Man, that's a good idea. See, that's a good part of 2017. Man, we have some awesome listeners, Pastor Mike listeners. Thank you guys so much for your feedback. A couple of reviews that we've received on iTunes. KB Tyson, um, this person said, this podcast challenges my majority perspectives and reveals the truths of the gospel. If you're not subscribed, you should be. Um, another person said it's thought provoking. That's J A twenty four twenty four. Thought provoking and powerful, not for the faint of heart. Love the conversations these guys have. So many others I could read. Thank you guys so much for even in twenty sixteen, giving us some awesome reviews. You guys are man, you're amazing. We love you guys, and it really does encourage us. Like what we do is is very. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things that. A lot of people think it's, it's more grand than what it is. So we <laughs> carve out some time in our schedule and we have great listeners. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. And Jamar, you know, we got to mention we got a great podcast producer, too. Right. Like oh, we have to. Yes. We have to put him blow up his spot. Let 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 everyone know that our our uh, podcast producer, Bo York. He is an award-winning podcast producer, and Bo, do not take this out of the podcast. If you take this out of the podcast, you're fired. So. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We got to put some shine uh, on on the behind-the-scenes guy, uh, Bo York, and he, he does several podcasts, but one in particular called Let's Talk Jackson just won the award for Best Podcast in Jackson, Mississippi. It's an annual... Ooh, 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 ooh. 
Yeah, it's an annual awards um, kind of competition through a an organization called, well, a newspaper called Jackson Free Press, and it's really fun. I mean, they, they solicit uh, folks, they, they solicit suggestions from from local community folks, and so it's it's a very kind of local, um, putting pride in, in one's own city, and so to be recognized among sort of peers and community members for this uh, honor is 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 really significant. I, I will also say <laughs> this was not let's talk jackson wasn't uh bo's only podcast nominated he had like yeah. he had like two um other ones in in the running and th- this is the one that happened to win so anyway we are in the presence of greatness our award-winning podcaster yes. bo york who does all the post-production who helps us out in innumerable ways and is a great friend congratulations bo congratulations bo i told you guys now he can't deny it bo is a big deal in these podcast streets. He cannot deny it at all. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, there is a situation that we're going to talk about. And I we've talked about disclaimers before. And we don't like giving disclaimers. We like Uh-oh. to just speak freely. But I'm going to give a couple of disclaimers just to let y'all know. We know there are a dozen different things we could be talking about right now. There are a dozen different pressing issues that we could kind of be getting into we could talk for hours about we could have multiple episodes about but this is still something that is important so we recognize this once you hear it you're going to be like really we talking about somebody's social media like what you'll see how it connects and then also we are not going after anyone we're not going to try to paint anyone in a bad light we're just going to deal with the facts that we have and so this isn't like a smear thing or anything like that just want to make that clear we're not doing that. We're not about that. But there's a situation that was happening recently. Recently, we had the presidential inauguration, and there were large protests about that, very large protests about that, some of the largest in our country's history. And so some people went to social media. One person in particular, she's a gospel singer. Her name is Vicki Yoey, and she posted this picture of a very... Um, Caucasian Jesus um, <laughs> with long flowing hair that looked like he has some herbal essence in it <laughs> and uh, like four or five different suitcases. This wasn't something she created, but she got it from someone. And the title of the meme is On My Way Back to the White House. And she said this on her social media. She said, march all you want, protest all you want. President Donald J. Trump is our president for at least four years. No weapon formed against him will prosper. You know you are doing something right when there is so much opposition, exciting times. Wow. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So when I heard about this, I said, man, really? Vicky always doing this? So I went to her social media and scrolled through, and I saw not just support for Donald Trump. We're talking about brazen support for Donald Trump. Now, we're talking about posting every meme that's positive, posting everything that's positive about it, retweeting it. And this is significant because of who she is. Now, there's another person who was involved in the inauguration. Her name is Paula White. She is um, a pastor of a church in Florida, a New Destiny Christian Center, which before she was a pastor, the previous pastor I'd actually attended. Some of my family members had had um, been members of that church. And actually, I believe still are members of that church. So I don't know if you guys know these people. Jamar, are you familiar with Vicki Yoey or Paula White? 
You know what? Well, yes, I'm familiar with Paula White. Vicky Yo, not so much. I may have heard some of her music, but, you know, just kind of a passing whatever, of course, mm-hmm. until she goes down in infamy for this. <laughs> so Vicky Yo, for those of you who don't know, she was kind of put on, and this historical context is important. She was kind of put onto the scene as a gospel artist. Now, she is white, and so is Paula White. She was put on the scenes by one of gospel music's greatest artists, CeCe Winans. So CeCe Winans kind of tapped her as the next one. They're kind of in this TBN-ish circle. So it's charismatic, more my tribe than Jamar's. Jamar was like, I don't know if I can talk about this, but you can. Yes, I'm going to yes, give you. Yes, yes. I'm going to give you the okay. But so she was put on by this song called Because of Who You Are. Now, this has become a very popular song, even to this day, in charismatic circles. Now, Because of Who You Are. Have you heard Because of Who You Are, Jamar? Yeah, I've heard the song. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, see, I didn't connect it to the, like, like I said, I, I heard her, but it didn't connect to the personality. See, it's a, it's a one hand jam. Now you got to understand charismatic speak. That's a one hand jam. So there are different types of worship songs break it down, break it in down. the charismatic perspective. So there's hands clasped in front or behind your body and you sway with your eyes closed or your eyes open, just in prayerful reverence and reflection. Then there's the elbows on the waist with your hands out song, you know, eyes closed <laughs> And then there's one hand jam. So this is an automatic one hander. Okay, this is a one hand jam. Now I'm not saying it's a classic, but if you hear because of who you are and they hit that Jehovah Jireh part, it's one hand. It's one hand in the air. You in full worship. That's just how it is. So it's a very popular song. Now, it's important for us to understand that again, as I said, Vicky Yoe is a gospel artist. She's a gospel artist, not a contemporary Christian music artist but a gospel artist, meaning that she sings and she worships in the same vein with the same soul and the same stylistic influence of classic black gospel music. Now, on the flip side, Paula White also, she pastors at New Destiny Christian uh, Church or Fellowship, I believe, in, in Florida. And the interesting thing about it is, and leaving out all of the, you know, orthodox implications of complementarianism and stuff. She we, she is a pastor. Leaving out all of that, we Jamar and I would affirm complementarianism. We, we get it. But this is important because she was tapped by someone who is popular within the charismatic and word of faith circles, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Now, mm-hmm. he is the one who kind of gave her her platform. And if you've ever heard Paula White speak or articulate or preach, she has a very black ish way of articulating she is a very urban articulation and it resonated with particularly black women and black men as well but it resonated with black audiences even though she is white now full disclosure i've met both of these women (laughs) so uh, yeah just in yeah in the circle that in the circle that i grew up in i we actually knew paula white very well um and I've met Vicky Yoe on a number of different occasions. It's just the tribe I grew up in. I'll get more into that later. Um, but just full disclosure on that. So when you saw this, you didn't really connect it to her. What do you think, Jamar? When you see someone saying Jesus on his way back to the White House because of President Trump, what do you think? There's so many layers to it. Uh, the it, it, Racial, political, religious. All right. So the first thing that jumps out at me as a rac- racial minority is this like Malibu Jesus. Um, 
you know, he's pale skinned, long, wavy brown yeah, hair. Even though, even yeah. though the scriptures tell us he had no form, no nor complexion. I, he a model. Exactly. Yeah, he, he got a chiseled body. And he's like, European. He's European. It's like like he wasn't born in the Middle East. Like he's not brown skinned uh, of some some uh, shade. You know, so so that immediately jumps out at me, and I kind of I'm just like, are we are we still here with these representations? of white Jesus and associating um, Christianity and and uh, the the son himself with mm-hmm. Europeanness. So that was the yeah. first thing because it's a picture, right? So so that's it's what jumps deal. out at me. And then you read the caption like he's on his way back to the White House and then mind blown, right? Like 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 God just withdrew his presence completely. He just said, "You know what? I'm going to take a time out for 8 years." Um in, in terms of the affairs of of the politically or the uh, militarily and economically most powerful nation in the world, um, I don't like this guy. Y'all are on your own. Uh, as if, and there was a recent article about this. Uh, Barack Obama was one of the most vocal presidents about his Christian faith, and every year, in particular, um, uh, at, at the White House uh, breakfast. Over, over the Easter weekend, he would speak uh, very knowledgeably, at least, about the resurrection, about the necessity right. of it, and uh, certainly more so than than other presidents and, and, and our current president right now. So right. it was, it was mind-blowing to me because, I mean, you've just basically said uh, former President Obama was, was not a Christian and that Christianity wasn't in the White House. Mm-hmm. All that being said, I... I I sort of get why she would post it. I don't agree with it, though. Well, and here's the thing. She did come out with an apology. She did say that she did not. In haste, she posted this. But then she makes what I think to be the very important connection to what we do, which is, you know, we talk about the intersection of theology, race, culture, and justice. And what she says is, people are calling me a racist. I'm not a racist. I believe she has adopted, if I'm not mistaken black children yes, as well she has stuff. she helped so, run an orphanage in uganda right absolutely absolutely want to recognize that work but she's come on different radio shows and she's tearfully apologized and said that she was wrong and a lot of leaders have been checking her and just kind of pushing back and you know i'm just thinking <laughs> um what made you post that and what made yes. you post all the previous ones? Like, did someone not tell you, like, that's wow. probably not a good idea? That's probably just not a good flow for you in particular because you are a singer just from a brand marketing perspective. <laughs> yeah, most of your constituency. Most of your money comes from black audiences. Like, did you think that we were just going to be like, sure, like, this is awesome, like, it's okay. It's no problem. Just believe however you want. And and supporting someone is different. I know a lot of Trump supporters. A lot of my friends are Trump voters. But what I'm saying is, it's different to publicly, brazenly say, Jesus is coming back to the White House, coming back to our country, simply yeah. because of this particular president who has not shown that at all. And leaving the political outside of it, it is a very dangerous precedent. So let's talk about the racial implications oh, here. Man, Tyler, you're, you're brilliant for coming up with this topic because it touches on so many important things. What, what strikes me about um, her posting is that she's surrounded by black people. 
Right. And, and, and she's loved by, and I have no doubt that she also loves in turn, black people. And so she probably even has a lot more exposure to people of other races than than the average person because of her, her right. platform and per, particularly because of the, the genre of gospel music that she's in. And yet that she could be seemingly oblivious, at least by her public posts, to how a racial minority, particularly African-American, might react to these kinds of messages it tells us something. It's instructive. It means that 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 proximity doesn't mean understanding. Ah, uh, uh, what you got to repeat that. Proximity, you know, proximity doesn't mean understanding. Pro- mm-hmm. it, it, it just presence doesn't automatically lead to empathy, and that's critical because you'll you'll find a lot of folks in the majority saying, "Well, I have black friends, or one of my best friends is black." That line. Yes. And, and that 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 doesn't mean as much as they want it to mean, because right. it doesn't mean you actually understand America and, and race from that person's perspective. And, right. and Vicky Yoey is, is unfortunately a very clear example of how that can happen. And even and even this is the thing with, you know, Paula White and others. It's, it's funny. I was talking to one of the people in our community and she was saying to my wife and I that she goes to a church back in her hometown. She was transported here from college, uh, for college, and she attends our church, and she's a vibrant member of our community. And she said when she goes back to her home church, she said her pastor at the home church that she's at um, happens to be Euro. I believe he's not, I don't think he's he's um, Caucasian. I think he's um, comes from Britain or something of that nature. And he is a very vocal Trump supporter and post memes and post, you know, election stuff, while at the same time being the the leader of a predominantly black church. Mm. And she's like, do you not get that this isn't good for you to do? So even having people in your church or even having people on your leadership team or even having people in prominent places of your organization who are black does not automatically mean you understand the full implications of what you do, what you say, and how you react to social issues. And I think it's interesting that what we're seeing is even though these people are receiving, have received platform from black people in particular, and have received cosigns from black people in particular, and have been welcomed and invited into predominantly black circles. Mm-hmm. They raise their hand during the song. Absolutely. Eve, it's a one-hand jam. It's mm-hmm. a one-hand jam, Jamar. Even still, they are saying, you know what? We're not going to... Let me say it like this. It is profoundly discouraging and disturbing when you befriend a person of color, come alongside a person of color, embrace a person of color, and then in turn, at the same time, ignore their basic concerns. That is a profound betrayal. Bro, bro. That's even worse than indifference. That's even worse than, than actually just publicly opposing us to be you know, that's what, you know, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. That's what Dr. King said, right? That's what Dr. King said. What is going to be shocking. The most shocking is the silence of the good people, the good people who said they were with us behind closed doors, but did not stand with us when the heat was turned up. That's a betrayal, man. Like that's, that's profound. 
Man, yeah, and and I know like like you have real credibility in this conversation because, like you said, you you know these folks, you've interacted with them. You're not just talking about a public Facebook post. And and in the same vein, I don't even know if I should bring this up, man. But uh, after after the election, um, mm-hmm. I I am not saying that that. You know, vote your conscience, right? I'm not saying there was the quote-unquote Christian candidate or uh, the the one that all believers should have voted for. That's what I'm not. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is is echoing what you said earlier about sort of ignoring the concerns of certain people right. groups, whether that's women, right. immigrants, uh, African Americans. And, right. and this was by folks in the church, folks who are friends, folks who I know. And, and I, it's hard, right? It, it's, it's very disappointing. And, and let's say this. Let's say this because this is a great transition into what I was going to say and what I was intending to say is that, listen, when we're talking about the election, I heard a lot of people say towards Jamar, and I'll say this on your behalf, Jamar, and, and other people. I heard a lot of people say to Jamar, you guys are, or us, that you're, you guys are, are whining because your candidate lost and, <laughs> and, and wow, this is such a profound mistake for the kingdom and you can't, you can't o- obey the leaders and the powers and the authority. You can't pray for him. And you, and that's not the point. You're missing the point. You're missing yes. how closely connected uh, and how much the governmental authorities that be have historically been able based upon the silence of good people to ignore our, our concerns that will affect us, that will affect the schools that our children attend, will affect our economy, will affect the health care that we receive, will affect so many different things, the, the state of our community, policing, all these things will be affected by public policy. You're missing the point. And the point is, if you elect someone who has not shown consistency toward us and marginalized people groups in public policy, you are enabling them to ignore us because you have not held them accountable for these things. And if you do not hold them accountable for these things, it actually hurts us more so than it hurts you. And you think, oh, well, this is what's best for me. Think about the marginalized. Think about the people who don't have the same numbers and who don't have the same voice and who don't have the same, yes, I'll say it, privilege that you do. And and that is that is why it is important for us that is why we talk about the things that we talk about in the way that we do, not because we're simply trying to be political, but there's no way of, of separating and, and dichotomizing our race and our religion from our, the political implications of where we live. <laughs> like there's no way we can get away from it. That's why it matters to us. Not because our, we didn't have a candidate in this election. Trust me, we had no candidate in this election. But at the same time, we do recognize that one candidate was not listening to our issues and was not speaking fluently. That's why it was a particular danger to us. Yes, yes. And, and, and OK, this this all intersects. Right. Because uh, Miss Yoey posted what she did because she felt like under a progressive president, a, a socially and, and politically progressive president, that Christianity was under fire, that that there was there were certain laws and policies being enacted that made it harder uh, to freely practice Christianity or to sincerely hold traditional Christian beliefs and and you know maneuver freely in our culture. And so she's responding and reacting to that, which I, I as a believer, I understand. Um, at the same time, we now have a, a president who, from long before 
his campaign has made it clear that he has ideas inimical, inim- inimical, t- or or at least <laughs> um, negative. That word at least not helpful, like to Siri, put it the Google most inimicable. Google inimical. <laughs> I'm um, and, and what what got to me was that minorities voiced concerns, and those didn't seem to be heard, particularly by a, our Christian brothers and sisters. Let me put it like this, okay? This may help some people, because I think some people may not still understand why we say stuff like this. I got guys, right? I got homies. I got people I know from diverse backgrounds who they're specialists in what they do. I got gun guys. Okay. <laughs> I just got gun guys. That's just what, that's what I have. I know some dudes. If I'm not a gun owner, but if I wanted to own a gun, I would talk to them. They've been, I know some dudes who are, uh, you know, former Marines, former special forces. I've been to the range with them as a connection point to our friendship. I got guys who just grew up in that culture who understand it. If I need advice as to what someone thinks about guns, they are more connected to the culture so they can just sit down and say, listen, this is what it means. This is what that means. Don't don't fall for the okie doke here. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do the other. They're going to give me advice. If I need advice in this specific area, I'm going to them because they know it better than I do. I got car guys. I got mechanic friends. My car knocking, something happening. Yo, can you come by and take a look at this? Can you tell me what you think it might be? What you have to do? What you this and that and the other? Look, <laughs> why is it that we in close proximity with our brothers and sisters on the margins, but we are not taking advantage of their attentiveness Ooh. and specialization in the areas of race and the intersection of culture? Why do we think when it comes to race? This is what I've observed: people who are even friends, people who are even close to me. Then they become experts on this thing without study. Like, <laughs> what have you read? What have you studied? And then all of a sudden it's like, man, we just need to, we just all need to listen to each other. I'm like, huh? Wow. wow. Like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is when what... it comes down to specialization. And this is, this is the shocking thing when it comes to my Christian brothers and my Christian pastor friends and all this. I'm like, listen, you guys spent years to, to study and speak to the text, to speak to the languages, to speak to the manuscripts. Oh, you had to through. understand come that there through. was nuance. There was all this. Why do you think there is not nuance when it comes to, to race and sociology? Why do you then flatten it to be a simplistic answer to everything? Man. And why do you not? You have friends who get this or ha, who at least, and I'm not saying we have the perspective. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying we're the experts. But at least we understand this from a personal and sociological and historical framework and context. But yet in the same way, you ignore us and we in friendship. We in proximity. How does that work? This is what we're talking about where I mean, this is why we have something like pass the mic, because not only do minority voices have to be heard in this generation and all generations, but especially this one right now. But they have to be listened to. And that's the turn that we've got to make in American Christianity, particularly white evangelicalism. It's, it's not enough to have a black speaker. It's not enough to have an African-American right. on the panel. It's not enough to have black friends if you right. aren't actually acting on their insights and perspectives. And so, right. and so if the planning team doesn't look different, 
if uh, if if folks voice concerns about a policy or a candidate because it looks so familiar to what was happening 50 years ago when we were legally disenfranchised in so many ways, then what is our friendship for? You know, like how, how, how is that equitable in the sense of you and I across racial lines have equal influence and not just airtime? Yeah. It's kind of like, I forget the passage. I think it's Psalms 41. I think David says, he talks about his close friends who like, came into his house and ate his bread and now they, they've turned on him like they came yeah. into the fellowship and we broke bread together and now you've you've turned on me like you pushed back like like you know and so i think here's the thing and and, and this is a an issue before we move on to, to the final point so i think one of the difficulties is there's so many things that that work in intersections so blackness is really dynamic so there's not a monolithic perspective so i hear a lot of people say well this one black person would agree with me or this one person on my staff would agree with me or I have a family member or a friend who agrees with me. And I I get that. I just think the problem is one person cannot encompass the entirety of the black perspective or can't really speak for the majority of us, especially if they're running counter to the historical and social narrative. So you have to bolster and buffer your perspective with historical accounts and study and research and nuance and all these things that are intrinsic to these ideas of blackness to understand what it truly is like you can't look at one person and say oh you agree with me because really and truly sometimes what is done is you know like my friend aaron james will say cultural proof texting right like you Mm -hmm. have a bias and so then you find someone who culturally fits that bias and scratches that itch and pats you on the back and affirms everything you already believed and you're like yeah you're the good one yeah, you're the yeah. Good one. everybody else is just you know what they're just duped. They don't they don't have the intellectual understanding that you do, which is so insulting, right? Um, right. But even at the very least, right, cultivate friendships with multiple racial minorities so that you're not just getting one person's perspective, right? It, it, it doesn't matter who right. you are, you right. or or how informed one is about racial issues, you still need other minorities with multiple and different perspectives to, to have a, a, a very human and complex uh, perspective yeah. on on what race is like for, for some of a, of a different color. So absolutely, yes, to all that. And just to let y'all know, just on an honest point, that was me. Before I read widely, like I was that black friend who <laughs> was very conservative and articulate and, you know, was around the, the clique and people were like, yeah, you, you have a perspective. You're, you have a good perspective. And they even said to me, you're not like those other black people. Right. Anyway, that's a whole nother okay, thing yeah. that we could get into because that's really a truly, <laughs> that's crazy. But anyway, so well, the, 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 the last point I want to make is no matter who had won the election, we would have to deal with that person and his or her policies. And so this is not a commentary on who you should have voted for, who you shouldn't vote for. I I think it's two things. I think one, many racial minorities, including myself, expressed uh, great alarm at some of the rhetoric uh, coming out and the way that rhetoric empowered certain constituents to action. So I don't want to artificially separate words from actions. Words create the context for action. Of course. And those actions are not, are detrimental 
in many ways to, to not only racial minorities, but to the poor and to women and to refugees. And, 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 and we got to deal with that. So, 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 so one point one is that minorities were saying these things long before the election and they didn't seem to be heard. And for me personally, that was extremely um, disappointing and saddening. And then, and then number two, though, is it doesn't matter who wins. We've got to deal with it. And especially for those who voted for the candidate who won, where is the vocal outcry now that this person is the president? Where is... Uh, the 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 continued opposition, whether to words or actions, that racial minorities have said, "Hey, this is dangerous. We've been here before. We don't want to go back." And so, and so that's all we're saying. This is not a. There's a Christian candidate, a non-Christian candidate. You should have voted for this candidate, and you're bad if you didn't. That's right. not what we're saying. Now, here's what I'll say in closing. I think this is the biggest thing for Christians to take into account because this is not a. When people say, oh, what you guys are talking about, you're mad politically, you're mad about your partisan candidate losing or your agenda losing. Listen, here's here's the bigger issue. The, this is an apologetics concern. This is an apologetic because these people, we all represent Christ and his church, Christ and his body. One of the things that people don't understand, I've heard people say this before, you guys don't talk about... Um, cults and you guys don't talk about black Hebrew Israelites and you guys don't talk about this. You guys don't talk about that. You guys don't talk about the other thing. And what <laughs> what's interesting is there are a couple of reasons for that. Number one, because we're not trained in that per se. So we give that to the people who are trained and committed to that. But another thing that people don't understand is our presence as the reformed African-American network is a social and cultural apologetic. The fact that there are there are men and women who are willing to identify openly and publicly with the cause of Christ while at the same time being unapologetic in their blackness, while at the same time affirming, affirming the reform distinctives, while at the same time speaking from a largely theological conservative perspective, that in and of itself is the presence of an apologetic. That is an apologetic. And what people don't understand is you undermine the apologetic you undermine and you lead people into Egyptology and into Black Hebrew Israelite, into Rastafarianism, into Kemetic science. When you continue to prop up a white Christian, <laughs> white Jesus, very proverbial, leave it to Bieber type of Christianity, you're actually undermining the expansion of the gospel because people see this and say, oh, this is the God you serve. The God right. you serve is cool with this. And then the Christians, your friends, they like this too. So when you when you back this and when we come from this perspective and when we ignore the concerns of marginalized people groups, we are losing and we're 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 necessarily sliding backwards. We're backsliding yeah. into an improper presentation of what the gospel truly is and its expanse and and everyone that it touches and reaches and we're missing it. We're missing nation- it, guys. The nations are here. They, 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 they are outside of the borders of the United States, yes, but to a large degree, the nations are here, whether that's the descendants of Africans who are African-Americans or the millions upon millions of, of immigrants and refugees who have made their homes here. And, and our nation is increasingly ethnically and nationally, linguistically, racially diverse. And if, 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 
evangelicalism or, or white Christianity or however, however we want to term it, uh, doesn't attend to the voices of, of these people groups and their perspectives and their concerns as folks who have been historically marginalized economically, politically, socially, culturally, then, like you're saying, it harms our witness and our ability to go and preach the gospel to all That's Galatians 2, though, Jamar. Like, that's why, that's why Paul stood up to Peter. He was like, yo, you're doing, you're doing double things. Like, you're eating with these, this group of people, and then you're going and eating with your Jewish brothers. And you're eating fried chicken with the Gentiles, and then you're going back and eating this with the, the Jews. And you marching back and forth because you're afraid of offending these this group of people, this constituency. We, we can't make that mistake. But there's so much more to say, Jamar. Amen. But I, I think we good, man. There's so much more to say, man. <laughs> yeah, we got into enough trouble for one week. We'll, we'll pick it up next week. Again, all your listen. I'm wide open to feedback. If you have any feedback, any pushback, my email address is J E M A R. Oh no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, don't. <laughs> Y'all gonna start an official Red Network email for me? Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do me like that. All I'm saying is, yo, you can tweet at us. I'm at Burns23. Jamar's at Jamar Tisby. Please, if you have feedback, questions, please reach out to us. We're easily accessible there. Um, you can also like Rand Network on Facebook, and you can also like us on uh, Twitter as well, at Rand Network, and then also follow Pastor Mike at underscore Pastor Mike. Um, we, we want you to also come alongside of us and gather with us at the Pastor Mike private Facebook group. There are a lot of people that are still waiting to get in, and you will get in. Don't worry if you put in your request. We want you to still come alongside of us and have these conversations in diverse national and international community. Thank you guys so much for your feedback. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever podcasts are played, including the Satchel app. I think that's all. On behalf of Jamar and our award-winning producer, Bo York, I'm Tyler Burns. We'll catch you soon on the next Pass Pass the the mic. Mic. You've been listening to Pass the Mic, a Pottery production. To find out more about this and other shows, visit Pottery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you in part by Ministry Pivot with Russell St. Bernard. This podcast features important conversations with industry leaders such as Nona Jones, Bishop Walter Scott Thomas, Reverend Dr. Nicole Martin, and so many more. Visit ministrypivot.com or on all streaming platforms.